thank you for uh, for listening uh, on Liberty Tactics. I, I think it's an important uh, international venue. The title of your show is Liberty Tactics, which I think is really important. And liberty is a really important word. Uh, we take it for granted. Tuesday, the 27th of September in the year of our law, 2022. Um, it's just gone 7 p.m. here in the UK. You're probably not going to hear this actually until Wednesday, the 28th. But um, whatever day you do hear this, welcome to Liberty Tactics. I'm here as always with my darling co-host and my really good friend, Catherine Watkins. Hi, guys. And we are really delighted after our podcast-a-thon back in... August was it August it was it was just all such a blur now we've got another one coming up in a month's time um but Alex and Kat did have a deep in-depth conversation and we kind of wanted to carry that conversation on I've got a bit of a sore throat so Catherine I'm probably going to pass most of it over but we are joined by the lovely adorable Alex Thompson hello Alex hello Lou and I'm sorry that your throat is suffering but it's very good to be back on it's delighted to have you. So, Catherine, where do you want to start with the show today with Alex? What do you want to cover? Do you want to start with, because I want to touch on the porn and what you've been researching, and I'd love to hear Alex's input. Um, but let's talk about, you know, what's going on at the moment, because you are in the middle of writing a blog on the porn. Yeah. So yeah. take it away, darling. Well, I think, you know, I, I have said that a lot of people are um, – this one, I think, is probably going to be the most important blog I've ever written, but the least read, um, purely because I've realised how pornography is filtered through into society with disastrous effects. Um, and I'm talking, you know, that the I've read, well, I've read most of it because it's almost like three, three and a half thousand pages, I think it is. It was um, a report that was done by Judith Judith Reisman, who was obviously an enemy of the sex industry, and she, you know, actively um, campaigned against it for four decades, especially Kinsey. Um, but she was asked by the Department of Justice to write a report on the effects of pornography. So this was in 1983. Um, at the time, the only, um, you know, sort of pornography, you didn't have online pornography then, obviously, but you had the magazines. So the most popular, and people will know, uh, Playboy, Penthouse and Hustler. Playboy, what first release was in 1953. Penthouse was 1965. And Hustler, 1974. So basically, her and her research team um, went through every single, um, you know, copy of these three magazines in, you know, in existence from 1953 to 1983. 30 years worth it was only some publications that they couldn't get their hands on um I wonder for what reasons really uh but yeah she went through with her team and basically um they picked out all of the child cartoons child visuals that you know depicted children and you know sort of how they were depicted and it was you know when I'm looking at it as a whole really the enemy of the sex industry is the woman and child and the family unit so absolutely know, it is yeah. and uh, you know without we, we, we can't discuss this without getting repulsive can we cat so one yeah. of the big things playing on in there is that not so much in the 50s when these uh, magazines were launched by the kinsey hefner collusion but certainly by the late 60s early 70s when they were full color i'm afraid there was quite a lot of underage girls yeah. in those titles right and they were often uh, the daughters of deranged adult female hollywood stars weren't they yeah that yeah. was that was going on from right from the beginning yeah. it was not the, the american male and that phrase was used wasn't it from the outset the american male and his morals yeah, that was the purpose of these magazines it was never that the red-blooded american male was being presented with uh, just an idea of this is a woman in her early 20s this is what you're going for it was either perversion or um, underage or something unusual going on right from the outset or, yeah. or multiple women at once. 
Yeah, and it, it was, it was, you're right, yeah, it is from the outset. And I think that's what Judith was actually, well, she did, this is what she found. So there were 6,004 images that they, they swindled them down to in the end, 6,004 that, you know, depicted children in derogatory way or being raped, Santa raping a, ch- raping a child and this sort of thing was is really psychologically very damaging when the father, you know, because lots of fathers relate to Santa, they may have dressed up as Santa, you know, for their children for Christmas or whatever. And then when you're throwing something sadistic like that into, you know, with the child there as well, it confuses them in that because actually pornography is, a, is an addiction as well. So I've realized um, it's exactly the same as an addiction to alcohol or, mm-hmm. or drug. Um, it destroys, wastes away the prefrontal cortex. And as we know, that's the thinking brain, the rational brain, decision making one, you know, um, for control and for making, you know, well, rational, rational decisions, basically, that goes out the window so that, you know, in these states of arousal, the confusion that comes in and when they're throwing in children, looking at that alongside some of the things I read were absolutely were so horrific. And, I, you know, I was actually really affected by it because I was thinking this we're talking about pornography back in before online pornography. Right. So, yes. so soft porn, I say in inverted quotes, although it leads to harder harder things but i'm talking about cases which were explained in these reports very around the same time that these magazines were out with specific stories where like a, a an eight-year-old raped his four-year-old neighbor and or or his five-year-old neighbor and their four-year-old sister there was the case of two eight-year-old children that had got hold of um their parents playboy magazine whichever magazine it was this was in the 1980s and they they well basically brutalized and killed a baby, eight month old baby with a um, with a coat hanger and a baseball yes. bat. They were both eight years old. This is seriously, seriously, and they basically copied out while they were seeing in that in the magazine. And what year was that, Cat? Nineteen eighty-eight, I believe. Yes, yeah, because of course I was a boy in the nineteen eighties, and you couldn't avoid your yeah. schoolmates shoving things in front of your face that were utterly disgusting. And they got them from their fathers, of course, respectable middle class guys or whatever it was um, that they were pretending to be. And, of course, I was a bit precocious. I was listening to adult TV back then. And the evening discussions back in the 80s was a lot of people, conservative, liberal, everything in between, saying soft porn is even worse than hard porn. Mm. And they were saying it for this reason. To use a, a post 1980s word, the objectification of women and young girls and boys was yeah. was going full throttle by then, and you know we were put in little boxes in the culture already then. So people were induced to laugh at Andrea Dworkin, the rather extreme feminist, uh, because you know we were told that she was just a, a woman who could never get a man, and she was ridiculously fat and paranoid. But what she was telling people was true on stage. Yeah. about what was being, uh, what dep- depictions and portrayals there were of women and children in mainstream pornography. Nobody wanted to listen to that. Yeah. You're Just right. jump in because, I mean, and this takes me back to the 80s, you know, we're talking about yeah. the 80s. I mean, I can remember there used to be Benny Hill. Uh, you used to have Kenny Everett's, uh, Kenny Everett's show. You had all of these things and a lot of the, you know, I'm just thinking back to how we are today. So you used to have Kenny Everett, Benny Hill, a couple of others. And, you know, there'd be little skits where it'd be little teenage schoolgirls running out around in suspenders and knickers. And then a dirty old man chasing them around. And then they'd all jump on the old man's like, you know, with their pockets suspended. You know, and it was, you're looking back now, and that was like a slow little introduction. And then we look to where we are now, where we've got four yeah. key which used to be, you know, the English Riviera with their tea dances. You've now got swingers clubs open on the high street where children are walking past every yeah. day. Yeah. This is normalising and it's a swing. And in between step, if you go from the 1980s to the 2020s, the midpoint is around 2000. And that was the time when there was a lot of to do about prepubescent girls underwear suddenly becoming sexy and adult and padded. You know, that that was quite a push, wasn't it? And small girls being given uh, Playboy bunny ears and, and uh, other branded goods. Yeah, I remember it well. I remember it well. I'm sure I even had a Playboy watch. I, do, do you know what I mean? It's, it's like it's being branded 
And it's been, well, the thing is, they, they got so much money in the sex industry, are huge, but this is why I absolutely love Dr. Judith Reisman. And she, you know, she did die last year at age 85, worked right up until the afternoon of her death as well. Yes. Um, she was incredible. And what she did was actually, t- so Hugh Hefner, I don't know if you know this, Alex, and Pl- try, Playboy tried to take, well, they did. They took Judith Reisman to court in the 1990s for mm-hmm. libel. And this she is won. separate from the other famous case, the People versus Larry Flint, because that, that's also been idolised in the culture. But this is this one was, it was a quieter case and more significant. Reisman oh, yeah, versus, uh, versus, or rather, um, Hefner versus Reisman, because she was the respondent. But do go on. Yeah, so basically, I don't like lots of people don't know that, as you just said, they were quiet about it, of course, you know, as soon as um, because she went in with her proof, she'd already done the report at that time to prove that those cartoons and imagery were inside those pages were were actually child abuse, child sexual yeah. abuse and paedophilia, and that it was causing the minds of, you know, causing people, even Ted Bundy. And I use this and I, I use this example because we know he's obviously of the extreme, right? But Ted Bundy wasn't always a psychopath and no. a rapist murderer. He was actually a completely normal boy. Until yeah, I mean, people, 12, can, people can do a YouTube search for Ted Bundy death row interview and they'll find him very, being very frank about what Hollywood did to his mind. Yeah, exactly. But do you know what? I tried to do... Now, I did have... I first saw some of the interview when I watched the Kinsey syndrome because there was a part of it in there um, and they were obviously talking about pornography. So the other day, funnily enough... I was looking for it and you know what? I can't find it. It's come up on my, I've clicked on it and it's come up saying this cannot be found. So I don't know whether they taken it down or if somebody else has got it, but yeah, he quite frankly says what's happening. And we've got to consider that, you know, Ted Bundy wasn't, a, you know, an academically intellectual guy as well. Everybody knew that. So, mm. you know, moments before he was about to be executed, he had no reason to lie. You could tell he wasn't lying anyway during the interview and the things he said, he wouldn't have known because he was inside. So that was the yeah. point. He said every single man that he has met in prison that was motivated to commit sexual violence like him, every single one of them, and he goes he goes on about it, without exception, was influenced or addicted to, to pornography. Every and there was, single there were two them. other prongs, because he was talking about the 60s when it broke through, and the two other prongs, of course, were the drugs and the, and the rock music. That's right. And, of course, Christians and other concerned people were bashed uh, in America and in Britain at the time for being idiots, for even raising it. But we now know, I mean, take the the, 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 the lobbying of drugs over college campus walls in America and to some extent in Britain. Uh, you know, if you look at Timothy Leary uh, of the book, I Have America Surrounded, this is a well-known deliberate strategy. The CIA uh, drugged a whole village in France with LSD. Uh, And you're quickly back to mind control experiments. And like a lot of the other nastiness, like the deliberate demoralizing sexualization of young people, uh, it has an origin in interwar Central Europe. Right. That's that's where it spills out, because it's ultimately we're looking at a tentacle of the Fourth Reich. You know, we're part of the the Nazi system that didn't lose the war because it didn't need a territory in Germany. It just went into the West and global through yeah. cultural institutions and was snapped up by America, Britain, France and the Soviet Union. Ah, it's funny you should say that because I was reading something the other day and it said about the sex industry coming out after World War Two, but not as because there was talk of it being the German sex industry first. But then they said it had gone to it relocated to Sweden or something. Yeah, in the there was th- there's been some good papers about that. The, the southernmost Swedish city, Malmö, which is now renowned for all the grenade attacks by immigrants on each other. Malmö was historically Danish. It's at the very southern tip of Sweden and it's still culturally Danish. So if you look at the 1960s and 70s, the Danes uh, legalized every kind of filthy porn when the Swedes and Norwegians still had some value. So Copenhagen was at the time what Amsterdam became later. It became the place where everyone knew child sex was going on. Right. Mm -hmm. But Copenhagen had its outpost, Malmö in Sweden. And there was... Uh, you know, people have written quite sedate, non-salacious articles about this. There was a time around 1968 or so when some shocking figure, I think something like one third of the teenage girls in Sweden, in, in Malmö, in that city, had taken part in some pornography. It was a badger. It was a rite of passage Whoa. in that local Whoa. culture. Right. Uh, this this it was it was a way of proving that you weren't a prude or a little girl anymore. And, you know, where does it come from? Yeah, all of the Germanic countries, certainly the Netherlands, where I'm speaking from, and Denmark and Germany and Sweden have all been accused at various times 
of being the epicenter, but the end clients were often Britain and America and very high up people, particularly for the under the counter stuff right up to, and I know people will laugh or sneer, but right up to the snuff movies. In the 80s and 90s, there's plenty of police documents, customs documents that I've seen between Britain, France and the Netherlands describing the details of these uh, these cassettes. I know some of the locations where the, where the filming and commissioning was done, not by personal exploration, I must add, but by reading documents and listening to witnesses. Yeah. Well, I spoke to, um, obviously, I used to do a lot with Bill Maloney uh, and a gentleman called Chris Fay, who worked for the N, the National Child Protection for Children in Care, NPCC. Also, I can't remember the exact, I'm not on my game today, but we did an interview back uh, probably in about 2011, 2012, where Chris Fay was saying they, they knew for a fact that the snuff movies and videos, it was all done via sort of the Netherlands, Denmark, yeah. that area that they... Well, would- they, they, there, was, there, was a whole, there was a whole train going on, Lou. Uh, runaway boys would come from even behind the Iron Curtain, yeah, um, although it was hard to get out. But certainly uh, in the 80s, so we're talking about before the uh, fall of the Iron Curtain, they'd, fought, they'd come away from poorer parts of Europe. Germany was the biggest, richest country with the most railways, so they would end up there. There were scouts out funneling them to Amsterdam, which is just a short direct in city hop from most German stations. There would be a seedy scene like the meat rack scene in Piccadilly in London. There would be a scene to funnel them there, take them out to the country areas where they would be used and, and spat out dead or alive. You know, this and they could be commissioned as well. The children could be got. And this was well known in the 80s that people up to cabinet minister level uh, partook of that yeah. with impunity. Um, we now look to where we are today, where what they you know, the RSE and, you know, what Kimberley and all the mums in Wales are fighting for, this is really where it's ended up. I mean, if, there's amazing that there's such a large, well, it's not a large population, is it, Kat? But there was one Facebook group I saw, and it was very much, they're all obviously very much linked with um, the government people within the government and everything, uh, like calling, you know, saying it's absolute nonsense what's going on with the RSE and why is it so bad and children like the Mylene class type um, thinking, you know, it's, it's absolutely vital that our children need to know these this information. Um, but there I mean, we go again, Lou. It's, you know, like those ever so sophisticated Swedish girls in around 1970. Um, this is what's happened with a section of our well-to-do people. You know, Mylene Class is, I'll stick my neck out and say it, she's a professional middle-class type. She's the kind who she says, look at me, I've acquired taste and culture. Yeah. That's what she puts herself out about. And so part of that package in modern Britain and many other Western countries, particularly these Northern European ones we've just been discussing, the Germanic ones, is look at me, I'm no longer a prude. I can healthily discuss sex and how important it is for children to know these things. Many of these people, I think, including Mylene Class herself, are blithely unaware of just the wickedness of what they're talking about. They're not culpable, except in in the sense of ignorance and arrogance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just quickly going back to Denmark, I've just realised, because you mentioned Denmark, that was in there as well. So basically, there was a report that um, the US Commission on, on Obscenity and Pornography did in 1979, right? And basically, they concluded that it was completely harmless. And actually, the higher the the more consumption of pornography, the, the less reported rape, right? And it had come from a report from Denmark, someone called Kaczynski. Mm. I haven't actually read the report myself, but I just read that it was, you know, I just read that he had written it. And um, basically, Judith Reisman obviously read the report and she said, I, she'd said that the way that they'd reported it or recorded things were making it seem as though it was less, but actually there was, there were far more sex, uh, far, there was far more sex offending after, and that makes complete sense. We know that's the case anyway, but they had a shot at doing it in 1979. And I just think it's that prevalent. I can see now why higher up the chain, although we know a lot of it is corrupt anyway, but a lot of these, a lot of people are involved in it. They're they are. Black can I add another or, element, you know? another element to this? Right. Lou will remember when she was with us on UK Column, we were doing a lot of sniffing around how the local councils were in hoc to their insurers, right? Most of whom go back to the ultimately the reinsurance, the top of the pyramid, the insurers for the insurance oh, companies. Insurers. They're not City of London, right? They're, they're Munich. Uh, the three cities that matter are Munich, Zurich and Venice, right? No British or American financial centre has got reinsurance capability it all goes it goes back to that triad of cities in the alps right and ultimately the the high street insurers that insure your local authority 
uh, were responsible to the reinsurers and they were getting direct orders, if you recall, Lou, do yes. not admit guilt. Yeah. Yeah, I totally do, do not that. even say sorry to, uh, to to a victim who writes in from, yeah. for example, North Wales would be a good example. Well, well known what was going on in the children's homes there. Right. One important detail there. And for this, you will you will easily find it if you search online for a, an article entitled Satanic Pagan Cults Launch War on West. It's a 1988 uh, edition of the Executive Intelligence Review, which is written by the LaRouche people who have been very fearless in def- decry- decrying many crimes in- involving the crown and uh, sat- Satanism, drugs and sex at high levels, right? They were looking at a guy from just outside Venice, very high up in the insurance industry called Alexandro Moncini. He's from the neighboring city of Trieste. And he was actually put away in Los Angeles in 1988 for possession of child sex material on a video cassette. And he managed to do, somehow do a jailbreak or get his get an early re- uh, release from California and go home. So the uncorrupted FBI and state police there and the judicial system was w- suddenly got interfered with by something that was higher and mightier than any of the US authorities. And it was not even in this case, British or Northern European. It was this Venice-based very, very deep node of, of controllers of the money. And it goes up to the insurance level, which more and more I'm, I'm convinced is on a level in the Satanist hierarchy with the highest banks. It's a, it's a wing of finance people don't think about. Mm, I've never thought about it. never even crossed my mind. That's, That's the other very... thing. It's a big money game. So it's not only like satisfying versions, yeah. you know, they're, 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 you know, their they're favourite other than children, their other sport or it's pastime is money the the greed that these people have so you know the porn industry and as as bill maloney and so many others says the children are the biggest commodity but the drugs they're gone the guns the children can be kept being used over and over and over again Yeah. yeah It's disgusting it's far it's gone way you know to to read these things and when i'm reading them back pre-internet days and i'm thinking but you know not just that as well, that the breakdown of the family unit, these, you know, is, it is without a shadow of a doubt. I have got no doubt in my mind. I'll argue with anyone over it is absolutely creating sexual offenders. And it has from the outset. But you've also got with the breakdown in family, you've got young men. Now, I was looking at statistics from a couple of years ago. Anyway, you've got young men in their early 20s or even younger who have got erectile dysfunction, which is caused by um, the, the caused by too much um, pornography because it desensitizes you as well see so like an addiction when you build up tolerance to it what happens you need more and harder to be able to you know maintain that same high well this is what happens with pornography and this is why you've got so many genres you can find anything it's disgusting you can find anything on there because obviously once you're addicted then you're addicted it, it well I, I did look that uh, only briefly to see, you know, what happened. And they, this is just based on people who have, you know, withdrawn from pornography. So it's from their testimony. Um, takes about between six and 12 weeks. And, and people have actually reported having physical withdrawals as well, mm-hmm. like a chemical I'm, drug. Because you're I'm involved in that ministry to some extent. The Dutch churches are getting serious about this now. Some of the American churches know I don't see much of it in Britain, but there are lots of church ministries now telling the young men, you, you know, uh, it, it's a very tough and manly program, but you can uh, kick the habit. But it, it, it's it's cold turkey, I'm told. Yeah. You know, it, it, it really is to be cold hard. turkey. Yeah, but then they can maintain. So you get a lot of men because they're addicted to pornography. They can actually maintain an erection with their work with a real person now. So then mm-hmm. you've got the wife or the partner, and then they, you know, things break down and they leave. And then this is this is just insane. I realise how much this industry is actually responsible for, and always societal breakdown and paedophilia, child abuse. Well, and that was the aim from between the wars. And I'm going to say straight up, it's not the Jews, right? There's always people saying it's the Jews behind it. But uh, you've got to read authors who sail close to the wind in pointing out a lot of Jewish involvement in pornography, which a lot of Jewish critics of their own people have pointed out since the early days in Hollywood. But you've got to be more nuanced about it than that. Um, One of the best known names at the moment is E. Michael Jones in Indiana. Have you ladies come across him? No. Michael Jones. He's a very well-known commentator, a a, a battle-axe Catholic, and uh, he's written a number of books and given many talks. The best-known book on this theme is called Libido Dominandi, 
a Latin phrase from St. Augustine, the church father. Libido dominandi means the desire or urge to dominate. And he describes uh, how, and, and he, also, he also saw it up front because he was a tre- uh, an American teacher posted to Germany around 1970, just when this, he would claim, you know, deliberate defeatist strategy to grind the German national identity down was at full swing. And he, he says that it was all foreigners who imposed the pornographic films that Germany became famous for in the 70s. Right. But his his argument is, well, if you look at how where it came from, Third Reich origins, and if you look at how it was imposed also by the Israelis. So whenever they captured Palestinian territories, the first thing they would do in some towns well documented would be to make all the TV stations broadcast hardcore pornography on daytime TV. Wow. Oh, yes, yes. As a deliberate demoralization strategy. This is well known. Trouble is, Jones doesn't get listened to by people who are not keen on Jew bashing. But he is, he, you know, he'll, he'll defend his own reputation jealously. He, he says that he is a loving Christian apologist, that is, defender of the Christian faith, and that he doesn't hate Jews. But he's often made out to be a Jew hater for pointing out such things. Well, so where can I find that information, Alex? I need oh, and to- any internet search for E. Michael Jones will point this out. And his book title, it's not an easy book to read. And his, his writing style is, it, it goes it, it goes hither and yon, right? It, it takes some digesting. But the book is libido, as in sex drive. And then the new word is dominandi, with a D-I right. on the end. You'll easily find the material that way. Documenting yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And I don't even know why I acted shocked. But I'm just, it's just... Oh, it's bad, isn't it? It's bad. And I wake up sometimes and I think, oh, how on earth, how on earth am I even going to begin? Because funnily enough, I was saying the other day, now, I was all right on this, my Facebook account at the moment, because I've got like four accounts, but this one I've gone under the radar a little bit, but I haven't been posting that much on it anyway. But when I have posted, um, you know, about the RSE and whatever, I've been getting a lot of engagement. But as soon as I started talking about the porn industry, that's when I'm not getting any engagement now. So I, I know how difficult this this one's going to be just be purely because it's so widespread, it's so massive. Um, but it's the most, as, as far as I'm concerned, this is the most, because it's, it's all well and good getting the sex out of school and that absolutely needs to be done. And, you know, we're campaigning until it is done. But at the same time, if we've still got pornography readily accessible like this it's, and something Judith Reisman said and I thought oh gosh she's, she's absolutely right she said the women can organise the women can raise the alarm and they can do the exposing but it's the men who have to tap the porn industry and what she meant by that was by not subscribing Yeah. and now we've got so you know there was something I read so the other easy. day sorry that's alright that, love something I read go on go on Lou no, what I was going to say, it's just so easy for people to have access to it. You know, this... Intentionally, yeah. Yeah, it's just all, it's all so easy, ready, available for anybody now. And what's interesting, I just want to, I'm going to shut up, but when you said about they don't like you talking about the porn, but on the other scale, there are guys on there who were on my old Facebook account. I haven't put them onto my new one that I use. But there, there's constantly putting like pictures of girls in G-strings with their ass, sorry, their bottoms up in the air, uh, their cleavages hanging out. There's no problem with pornographic images that guys are doing it if it's for titillation. But you pointing the facts out, you're getting censored for it. Yeah, Mm. and it's a difficult one for people to look at as well. This is what I mean. I'm very aware that people will ignore me on this purely because they use it themselves. You know, I, I, this is the problem with it. There's a lot of shame and guilt involved, you know, social anxiety, depression. It's this- breaking up no end of marriages now. I see more of it because I'm in a very conservative Dutch Bible Belt scene. And so uh, proportionally, a lot more women in, in this scene, when they discover their husband is, is using porn, will want a divorce rather than turn a blind eye. But then, of course, you know, I think that's a very strong and moral response. But then you see the the, the misery. The broken families. Yeah, exactly. It physically, it's not just about, you know, it makes how the woman feels as well, you know. There's, it's, it makes this, de- but then they've been degraded. So we've got three generations of men at least who've mostly been brought up with this image of, 
you know, gang rape and rape is fun. And, you know, when people wonder where the rape culture even came from, I think it's pretty obvious, isn't it? When we when you've got people viewing and getting aroused by these things, this is what happens, you know, and, and it's going to keep happening until until we stop it. But it's destroying. It's not just destroying. It's destroying the brain as well. It's destroying families. It's destroying everything around it. I can see just how bad it is. It's, and it's quite overwhelming, really. Because it's, it's so, so powerful. And we don't have the, the normal nowadays. I mean, back you had the family structure, the father, yeah. the mother. You know, this would, I don't think really it would have been on such a scale because you have that, that unit, that family unit, but that has been absolutely shredded to part, to pieces. Oh, it's been destroyed. It's been, and, and I just think as well with Kinsey, yes, it's Kinsey, you know, who sort of, got it out there with his publications but if it hadn't been for Hefner how far would it have gone but then it was intentional wasn't it so shall we go back a generation before Hugh Hefner because Hefner's the man of the 50s he was co-opted by Kinsey who was in the 40s yeah, uh, yeah fiddling with the children we go back between the wars to the Frankfurt school of filthy philosophers that you're well aware of both of you that moved from Germany to New York and yeah. then uh, that one of their key figures, the key man for the sexual agenda, was Wilhelm Reich. Yeah. Okay. And here's a quotation from 1936 in his book, The Sexual Revolution. And yes, he wrote a book called The Sexual Revolution in 1936, not 63, 1936. Oh. Okay. Quote right. A child whose motor activity is completely free and whose natural sexuality has been liberated in sexual play will oppose strictly authoritarian ascetic, that means anti-pleasure influences. Political reaction can always compete with revolutionary education in the authoritarian superficial influencing of children. But it, that is political reaction, which is his term for normal conservative society, it can never compete in the realm of sexual education. No reactionary ideology, that's conservative norms, or political orientation can ever accomplish for children what a social revolution can with respect to their sexual life. In terms of processions, marches, songs, banners, and uniforms, however, reaction, that's normal people, undoubtedly has more to offer. We thus see the revolutionary structuring of the child must involve the freeing of his biological motility. What the hell? 1936. Well, it reminds me of a brave new world as well. Very same era. Very, you know, obliging yeah, people to have sex. And, both, and there, in fact, there was a Russian, some people say it was cribbed from this Russian author, a Russian uh, foreshadowing of the book Brave New World by Yevgeny Zamyatin. And the book title is simply We, as in us. And uh, it's, it's a book about the creation of a world state in some future century in which people are forcibly sexualized. Wow. So it, it's, it goes hand in hand with whether it's communism or fascism, whether it's Jews, Gentiles, Russians, Germans, Americans at it. Uh, it's from that era that it stems. And all those who do so, who, who push it in, George Lukács, I mentioned uh, to you yeah. uh, during the telethon, the Hungarian commissioner in 1919, the Commissioner yeah. for Education, that's L-U-K-A-C-S. It's disputed how personally responsible for destruction as a deliberate policy he was, but it's undisputed that he made primary schools in Hungary the first in the world to teach sexual education in the way that Wales is now suffering. It's, you know... All of these guys, whatever their ideological or religious or ethnic bent, they said out loud, we're doing this so that the family stops being a unit and the children belong to us in future. Yeah. And like you say, it, I, I read a book and I, I said this, I think, to you on the podcast. It's on Margaret Mead. I've got it here somewhere. So she was the 20s. So, yeah, it's like a timeline of, you know what, I just think, how are we going to combat it i think i know but i just kind of need what do you think alex right because obviously you totally know how mm. deep rooted and how uh, how massive this whole agenda is what would your i don't know if you had to give any advice on how we sort of change yeah. it what would you say the users of porn have to be even more terrified of the consequences of using it than, than the urges that make them want to use it. 
Okay. Yeah. It's often said the, the big, biggest command to dissidents is fear not. The most often repeated command in the Bible as well, fear not, even yeah. more often than love God and love your neighbor. Right. So how do you stop fearing what horrible things powerful people can do to you or what nasty things a very powerful Satan could, could do to you? Well, you start fearing God even more. Yeah. Right. As Christ said, fear, don't don't fear those who can kill the body and afterwards can't touch the soul, but fear him who can cast body and soul into hell. Right. And Christ finishes that by repeating the point. He says, yes, I say fear him. So uh, the evil, if you've got these very primal urges being tapped into by Satan and wicked men, um, you know, to, to uh, uh, push people right through down to the bottom. Uh, of, of their moral scale straight away. The only way that you're going to supervene, intervene between the people and those primal urges is by putting the fear of God into them. Yeah, yeah literally. Right? Yeah. So th there's got to be a very strong ministry of telling the men, starting very young as boys, and I'm afraid to say the women as too, because there's an increasing yeah. amount of porn made for women these days, yeah. telling them um, in no uncertain terms, you will be shunned, you will be ridiculed, um, you will have real world consequences. And seek yeah. help. Seek help. Yeah. As, if you're if you're turning to it, we're we're at the moment, and I'm really sorry about my voice here, but we're in a battle, right? It's, it's no more. It's the most obvious it's ever been against. We're we're in a spiritual battle, right? Yeah. More so than anything else, we've got Satan, Satan on the one side, and we've got God on the other, and this is what this is what made me find my faith. Because I actually took a step back and I realised that this, everything, that the destruction of the family unit, the pornography, the, the, the whole thing, this is Satan. This is what he wants. And the, the alternative to this is Jesus. And yeah. this, I mean, you, this, this is all I've got to say. And if you feel you've got those clutches, just go and seek help. Talk to someone. Go to your church. I mean, I know it's hard nowadays to find a church. I haven't found a church. You know, you just got your local people that turn up and sing their songs on a Sunday and then that's it. You know, but there are people out there, you know, you can get help for this. Yeah. The first thing as well, Lucy, with, with any addiction is denial, isn't it? That, that there's a lot. The, this is why I've done this blog. This is why I've decided to put myself through this hellish nightmare so that I can, in a way, and I know, it, you know, it's to shame people so they can, they have to see what it is. Look, they have to see what it's doing. And a lot of them will relate to it as well, whether they like it or not. This is the part they're going to argue with in their own minds and the shame and the guilt and everything's going to come in. Yeah. But it is that type of blog. I've got all the facts in there. I've got all, you know, what it does to the brain, what it does to the body, what it's doing to children, the breakdown of all the cartoons, everything in there. And it's, it's, not, it's going to be a really uncomfortable read for many people. This is why I keep saying it's going to be the most important one I've ever written. You know, I spent 12 years in the medical industrial complex with my research and I just jumped ship straight away because I realized and it's not unconnected to the medical industrial complex either anyway. But I realized the, the importance of it and trying to do something. And if I do anything while I'm alive, anything at all. It's just, I've got to do this for the kids. I have to. I, there's no other option in my eyes, Luxy. I'm absolutely determined. I, I can. It's disgraceful. It's disgusting. And I can see what it's doing. And, you know, I've got to protect my daughter and, and the next generations. We've destroyed loads of generations, you know. And we, this is part of the, you know, sort of realising that what we've been under. Because when I was younger, I didn't have a clue about any of this, you know. I was no. up in things. I really was. Well, I mean, I, I, take, take the, the children's figures that I'm sure all three of us watched, Rolf Harris and Jimmy Savile yeah. in, the 90s, in the 80s. And both of them specialised in appealing to children and having good, clean fun, supposedly. And they both, of course, were found out, one during his lifetime and the other after his death, to be fiddling with children on an extremely regular basis. And, you know, in Harris's case, we don't know how much he, he touched children, but he certainly, you know, cracked lots of jokes about how they were all up for it at a very young age. And the, these figures were at the, the core of the central, of, of the official children's culture of the time. So it's obviously going to take a lifetime to tease that, tease that out again, out of your system and think that nothing, none of the good, clean fun and the normative ways of being a child that we grew up with uh, are actually right. They yeah. need to be rejected. We've got our king, who was best friends with Jimmy Savile. We have his brother that's best friends with Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, there's, 
you know, there is something seriously wrong. And personally, I don't think Charles will get a coronation. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, no, no. It's, it's embedded in the highest society, the people, you know, these people we're expected to kneel to and to bow to, you know, these, these people are taking our money. They're spending our money. They're living off the British taxpayers' money. Yeah, they are. But we are funding these people who are paedophiles. Yeah. The other thing, though, I think, you know, definitely, I know there's a lot of people who still don't get it, but there are a lot of people who are starting, you know, just with the connections you've given there now, you know, there are were a lot of people defending it, as we saw, you know, when the whole thing went on. But there were also would have been thousands and thousands l- looking at what everyone else was posting as in, hang on, there's lo- so many photos, you know, pictorial evidence of of him being with the most prolific, one of the most prolific paedophiles that ever walked the earth for a start. The whole thing with Andrew um, and Epstein, you know, that is still on people's minds, you know. I know it doesn't, obviously it's passed on, but it is on people's minds. This is going to send them down into a hole. I have so to recommend guess- a new uh, two-part book that's uh, just been launched by the incomparable Whitney Webb as well, uh, called One Nation Under Blackmail. Ooh. You can find it on Amazon, both co-UK and .com, but it's also good to go straight to the publishers, which are Trine Day, if I recall correctly. But if you search for Whitney with a W-H, Whitney Webb, double B, one nation under blackmail and find the publisher's site or you can go via unlimitedhangout.com and find it that way um from one of the tabs uh you'll find the books uh and and it's best to well it is actually quite expensive from trying because it's a u.s publisher and the shipping costs are exorbitant these days they can't do anything about that uh, so it may be best in these circumstances to order the amazon book from your local country such as the uk but that that is really more detailed than anyone else has ever gone into on the extent of the network, which was there long before Epstein and will continue, alas, long after him. The oh, way I'm going to get that then. I am actually going to go on Amazon yeah. and get that. I mean, it, she, she is, she's not fanciful, Whitney Webb. She does good research wherever she goes. <laughs> and so she is tying the, the network into all kinds of stuff, like how Chinese weapons got into the American inner cities and how American drugs got into the Middle East and so on. It's, it's all very much a swirl around the use of children for blackmail. In I fact, I've got a, a, a suit. What's might, that, Lou? I might try and get in contact with her and get her on the show. Oh, you should. You should try to get Whitney Webb on the show. She, uh, she would, I'm, she would. I'm glad you mentioned because she, she slipped my mind until. And, and don't forget that her partner, Johnny Vedmore is a Cardiff boy. Yeah. He's very is interested he? in what's happening in Wales. Yes. Yes. Oh, inter- I'm definitely going to get that book. I really do want to have a read of well, that. I'll make contact with them. Maybe yeah. they'll both come on with us because that would be an amazing conversation, Catherine. It, it would, would, be. Be. would yeah. be. So, Alex, solution, solution, solutions. Um, is it? Would it ever be possible to ban pornography? How could that done? Yes, we know it was. It, it was done. It, that was the norm in the whole of the civilized world yeah. uh, most of the time since we became civilized. Yeah. So of course it's possible. Yeah. You start yeah. sending I believe people to jail so. for producing yeah. it. Yeah. 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 I believe it's possible. I, you know, it's easy for me to get tied up in this at the moment because it's so dark, but I do believe it is possible. And I think people will eventually see, hopefully sooner rather than later, but see what this is all about and, and, you know, try and, because at the end of the day, most people just want to be happy and live a, a nice, peaceful life with their children and not, you know, not have to live in this, but it needs to be pointed out. It really, really does. It's, it's, it's got a hold. It's got a massive, yeah. massive hold on not just adults, but a lot of children. Oh, there was a statistic that I read the other day as well, just under tens. And I can say that again, under 10 years old account for 22% of online porn consumption for the under 18 category, under 10s. That is unspeakable. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, a friend of mine's a teaching, she's a teaching assistant. And she was in, this was last year, I believe, she was in class and she heard an eight-year-old boy say to another eight-year-old boy, you need to watch Pornhub. So when we're getting, so this is why when you look at the statistics, the peer-on-peer abuse has gone through the roof and there's younger and younger offenders, which usually happens. The only access they've got is their younger siblings. 
yeah. and younger children. And this is real. It's going on. Whether it is. It's it is. It is. It's in fact, there's assaults in school toilets all around the Western world yeah. now for this reason. And you'll recall that the Daily Mirror picked up and rehashed a local news report from, I think, Scotland. Yeah, it was, Edinburgh. Yes, yeah. it was about, we talked about this before, didn't we? About the assault of two teenagers on a preteen in a school toilet. Yeah. And when the Daily Mirror picked it up and syndicated it for the nation, they knew without being told by any censoring body, oh, we'd better cut out the mention that they'd just been in new style sex education class just before this happened. Yeah, yeah. This is what's going on and it's happening over and over again. And you're only seeing the odd one that's being reported, just like everything else, just like back in the 80s when those horrific things were going on at the same same time, but only a few of them were actually reported on properly. You know, there's many, when you look at the statistics again, against how many of these you see, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I can remember on the column when we, I was holding that document up. I mean, this was probably 2012. I was holding the the um, the WHO document up about RSE. And I can remember a specific story. I think it was in the Express or somewhere where, again, it was uh, another child abusing another child. And... Um, Obviously, they're making, you know, it was the Internet's fault, it's everything else. And I can, I can specifically remember saying to Brian, I said, I think that's a load of nonsense. I said, well, they're learning it in schools. They're wanting to bring this into school. So why, you know, it's nothing to do at the moment with the Internet. It's to do with their peer, the people they're supposed to look up to and listen to are telling them about it. So, of course, they're going to go and try it out. And that was back in 2012. Yes. And now here we are. And you've got little five-year-olds coming out now. Um, This recent, this is twice I've heard this now. One was a four-year-old, one was a five-year-old coming out playing with their privates um, because they said their teacher said it was okay too. (laughs) Well, that's that's being reported up and down the British Isles now, isn't it? That the the form that sex education takes, even in primary, is talk about the parts of your body that are nice to fiddle with, and let's say let's agree what the appropriate times and places are to do it. Yeah. And teaching consent to three-year-olds, this is the big, just negotiation skills to little kids. This is just a paedophile's paradise. You've seen the Spanish, uh, I forget which minister it is, one of the cabinet ministers, a woman, the other day, very passionately saying from a stage, I think the health minister, if I'm not mistaken, it is a children's right to have sex with anyone they wish. Whoa. No, No, I didn't see that. Defending Spain's own RSE. Saying wow. we will not have a parental veto because every child needs to know it's their right to say no to any adult who wishes to touch them, which of course itself is is nasty because it means that parents can't intervene and stop a child from a dangerous situation, yeah, right, uh, or correct them. Uh, and then she goes on to say because we, you know, we it is every child's right in Spain; it's their right. She repeats to to uh, to have sex with anyone they want. That's it. It's all those documents are all beefed up with rights, sexual yeah. rights, children's sexual rights. The doc, UNESCO. Well, there's so, several UK column.org articles that are relevant. Richard Lucas, the leader of the Scottish Family Party, yeah, has written a piece for us on this. He's, he's simply called it the Trojan Horse of Children's Rights. And there's Dr. Uh, Bruce Scott. You'll find his articles most quickly by going to ukcolumn.org and then looking for topics and mind. And he's put a lot of stuff in there, including the, the piece which had the embedded quotation by Wilhelm Reich from 1936 that I read out. There's also a standalone piece by David Scott, which you can find by searching for ukcolumn.org, Scotland's secret shame. And, uh, you know, you asked earlier, Lou, what about the solutions? Well, if you want to stop the sharp end of this problem, the use of children as blackmail devices uh, to capture people, well, the blanket solution is quite simply that you do not want to be entrusting the state with children, something which both Wales and Scotland have been greatly plagued by, sending these children to children's homes where they are sitting ducks for their exploitation. I know people will be up in arms and say, what? what? These are all children who've been rescued by the noble state from their feckless plebe parents, no. right? No. But that, that, that is, that's the, 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 the nub of it. You know that the North Wales with Bryn Estyn was the best known of these cases, but well, there's so I've, many I've more. Had on, I've had, um, I've had uh, Kat Tigger come on, um, who was at Bryn Allen. And she came onto my show and she talked extensively 
about what went on in those children's home in Wales back in the day. Right. Well, here's David Scott's analytical summary from his, 19, his 2019 talk in Fife, which we wrote up as Scotland's secret sh- on ukcolumn.org. This, this part is tit- entitled Children as Currency. David says, one of the problems that the corru- is that the corruption is not generally using money as its primary currency. The thing that I've had to get my head around is that the corruption uses children as its primary currency. From the point of view of the corrupt, money costs money. If you bribe someone, well, you can rent them for a while, but you don't own them. But if you've got them on tape with a child, you own them. They will do anything that you tell them to. And what we are seeing is reactions which make no sense. You're seeing officials make decisions which make no sense. And I would submit, ladies, that goes right up to Edward Heath bringing us into the EEC Mm. in 1972. And then David Scott says, then you realize that the person who seems to be protected might be quite a low life. It's not the establishment. That's the thing that struck me. It's not the establishment protecting itself. These are people who are not establishment, and yet they're protected. Here's what seems to be happening. The children are the currency. Now, unlike money, David Scott adds, children in this country come cheap because they're getting trafficked out of care homes and the care system. Just think of London and John Wedger. They're there for another reason, says David Scott. They're there to be cared for, apparently. And all of the funds that are extracted from everybody in terms of taxation. So for the people who abuse them, it's a free resource. So our enlightened children's home policy, stealing children from their parents under various pretexts, some plausible, some not, and putting them in as sitting ducks in these institutions, is providing the fantastic free resource for the abusers. Still, did did they bring in that law where every child born would have a social worker? They have done it through policy because David Scott, his wife and many others campaigned until the UK Supreme Court said this is unlawful and tyrannical and struck it down after every court in Scotland, as I'm afraid would also happen in Wales these days, just nodded it through because it was a progressive policy. But the Scottish government was nothing deterred and simply said... And again, you'll find this happening in Wales through the think tanks that run the, everything in, around the Senate. They, would, they just said, well, we, our local authorities are so progressive that we'll just carry on as a policy, even if it hasn't got a, hasn't got a law to back it. Yeah. And they've got that Lynn behind them, the, the, the Welsh, the uh, Institute of Wales, which I got sent the information, uh, and this disgusting organisation, which is heads of all sorts of... I mean, I sent it to Brian and I showed Brian... Uh, and I do believe he did a piece on it um, to do with Lynn, and uh, that's their media arm for the uh, the Institute of Wales. Absolutely shocking! Mm-hmm. Absolutely shocking! And these we did that a couple of weeks ago, yes. And we we do increasingly tell people to look at Liberty Tactics Very for more much. of this detail because that's you you Not find a lot of this first. Children, this is the thing, Alex. If we this is this should be the only subject about what is going on in Wales and what they're trying to do to our children. Our children, if we what type of society if we cannot keep that most very precious, our very most precious thing in the world that we can't keep safe and we can't let them have that innocence? They're so they're young for so sorry, I, I'm really struggling, but they can't, they're only young for those small, short years, and you've got these evil, wicked, wicked people within the government of Wales, within the government of the UK, within the government of Scotland, who are trying to steal that beautiful, precious innocence that they only get for those students short rears, and they are disgusting. And I hope one day they will stand accountable for what they're doing because it's absolutely criminal. They're not not afraid of future eternal judgment by God and damnation, evidently. So the only thing that they might fear is lawful uh, punishment after suitable conviction by their peers. But that would take a vast societal change for people to be indignant about these things reliably so that when juries were presented with plausible, uh, undoubted evidence of their guilt in these ways, that the jury would convict. Yeah, that's the thing. It's going to take and a long time. wouldn't be uh, intimidated by judges and prosecutors saying, you will, of course, let him off because everyone's up to this kind of thing these days. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's that, a as we know, they just, when things go, do get to court, whether there's a legal offence or not at, 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 at play, the, the legal profession as a whole does tell the jury, you are, of course, going to t- do as I say. We know yeah. this happens. 
Yeah, this it is just it's so rife and it's just, you know, we've got the the judicial review coming up and we're hoping, you know, to just raise the that's it. Kim's back to back doing events all over the place. She's done one at she's just come back from North well, she's on her way now, driving back from North Wales. She did four events up there. She's got one one every weekend now, Cardiff and Sunday, no in you know, intermittently, all the way right up until the judicial review as well as um, her events in the week, you know, last week she addressed 500 people, 500 new faces. That's brilliant. Well, That's well. brilliant. You know, because to get everyone that come on back to supporting this campaign, Catherine and I and Alex, I do hope you will join us on our podcast on that we're going to be doing. I do believe we're doing it on the Saturday, the 5th of November. Um, remember, remember the 5th of November. Exactly. Yeah, we thought it'd be an explosive one. So, yeah. <laughs> boom, boom. And so, it's actually the week before the judicial review as well. So, you know, sort of plans to get awareness money. for that. Raise awareness, raise some more money. If you haven't, if you haven't given, please, www.publicchildprotectionwales.org, please, any bit of change you've got in your pocket is payday is going to be coming up for most people in the next few days. Just chuck it maybe just a tenner just to show the sport because. Those women, are, you know, these mums, Catherine, Kimberly, Lucia, uh, Rachel, the list is endless, Adele, they're doing it and they are the only things that are between this education and your children. So, and Alex, I would love it if you would join us for our podcast with them again. I'll see what I can do. We would love that. Kat, you can yeah. close the show because I can't talk anymore. <laughs> Alex, thank you as always. Thank you, ladies. It's a horrible subject to talk about, but I think we've done it justice. Yeah, it is horrible. I agree. I agree. It's, it's good to be able to speak with somebody who knows a lot on it as well. You know, and thank you so much for coming on, Alex. I really appreciate it. And I will go away and have a look at some of those um, names, especially the, is it E. Michael Jones? Jones? Yes. Right, yeah, that one and the Whitney Webb one as well. I'll have a look at that. Good. So, um, Alex, tell everyone where they could get in touch with you ukcolumn.org I'm usually on on Wednesdays but I wasn't this week I was on Monday and uh, my telegram channel is Eastern Approaches Fabulous Thank you so much as as always and uh, we'll get this show over to you and we'll be having you back on again soon if you're all right with that Thank you yes Thank you you, Alex Thank you Okay Take care Bye Bye So Kat what a show Alex don't ask for his stuff doesn't he (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> are you there still Alec can I am yeah <laughs> you can close because I just can't talk anymore we're going to be back tomorrow are we yeah we'll um, yeah I think so either tomorrow or Thursday we'll come back with the children's first and we'll just do an update on what's been going on with the campaign um um, we'll leave we'll leave the porno we've done a bit of the, on the pornography tonight so we'll just stay off it a little bit while I do the rest of it um, but yeah it's an important thing to talk about but we'll come back anyway to give an update on PCP Wales and where we're going with the injunction so yeah we'll so see you tomorrow Lucia guys come on. maybe Lucia could come on yeah I know she was doing it she's actually for people who want to know I think she's doing a live tonight on Facebook so it'll be live from Public Child Protection Wales and from their YouTube but I don't know what time she was meant to be going on, but it is tonight at some point. Give us a little update on what's how the, how the campaign's going and boost everyone. Yeah. yeah, I'll speak to her later. Anyway, I'm actually going to see Lucia on Friday, so well, I'll ask her then if she wants to come on. Fabulous. All right. All right, then. Well, everybody, libertytactics.co.uk. We are now on iTunes and Spotify, so um, you can listen to us when you're out and about. And uh, we will be updating. I've got so many shows, as you can imagine. I have uh, 13 years worth of podcasts um, that we could put onto iTunes. But obviously, that's going to take quite a long time. So I'm putting all the current ones on, and then I will start going back and putting some of the best of the best on. And uh, one of those is going to be from a gentleman called Gordon Bowden, who sadly is no longer. Oh, yeah. I looked at the Gordon Bowden. He used to live on my Nan's Street in Cumbran before he moved to Newport as well. Oh. well he was a great, he, him and I did so many shows together. And he did a lot of work on the other end of Wales, Bangor, didn't he? There was a boiler room of great interest going on yeah, there. And yeah. claims about the um, decommissioned nuclear waste from Trausvenith ending it. up on Paris Mountain, in the, uh, allegedly in the shaft. 
Yep. Oh, yes. A lot to do with the nuclear waste. That guy was incredible. He was a great researcher. So I'm going to actually dig those shows out and I'm going to attempt, I'm going to try and get them up onto iTunes. Yeah, pull them up. They'll be good to watch. They really I haven't are. seen them. Classic, classic Brian Garish, classic Robert Green, uh, Bill Maloney. I mean, these those shows back from back in 2011, 2012 really are so relevant today. I was just yeah. going to say they're relevant. So I took the words out of my mouth. So relevant. So that's it. So check Liberty Tactics out on um, iTunes and Spotify. Uh, UK column is also all over the place. And Catherine's website. Oh, yes. I forgot about mine. (laughs) Exposingthelie.info. Thank you. So there you have it all. And uh, we're on all the usual platforms. If we, well, we're, we're there, whether we can post and answer you, the majority of time, if Kat's not banned, I'm banned, either or. But you can get one of us on one of the platforms. So yeah. thank you once again, Alex. And publicprotectionworlds.org. Put your hands in your pockets, guys. God bless. God bless. Bye-bye.